Hello, everyone. My name is John Gallagher, Senior Editor at Freight Waves, and welcome to welcome back, actually, to this uh, final day of Global Supply Chain Week. In this fireside chat, we're going to be talking about the rollout of the bipartisan infrastructure law uh, that was signed, signed back in November, uh, a law that obviously is going to have a big impact on supply chains. Um, and we're excited to have Lauren Smith to talk about it. Lauren heads up the Skyline Policy Risk Group. So he's got some great perspective from the, from the uh, he's got, uh, he, 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 he tracks policy basically for um, uh, transportation and supply chains. And he also has a background at DOT. So that uh, it, it provides great perspective uh, from the government side as, as well. Lauren, welcome to Global Supply Chain Week. Great to be here, John. Great. Well, uh, Lauren, before we get started digging into the infrastructure law itself specifically, let's, let's talk about the supply chain generally. Um, there's been a lot going on uh, recently, so I thought it'd be good to start with that. Um, you know, a lot going on at the ports. We still have congestion, uh, backups there affecting retail goods. There's, um, and as we speak, uh, there's, there's cross-border, there's now a new cross-border crisis with Canada um, affecting automotive supply chains. So, so if you could just talk about um, any policy directives recently from the Biden administration and, and how effective you see, see those being right now. Oh, well, uh, you, I think you've hit on the, the, the biggest uh, immediate issue with respect to the supply chain. You see a lot of cross-border traffic, a lot of issues uh, with, with the truckers. I think that um, we're starting to see uh, a lot of countries um, relaxing some of the pandemic restrictions uh, in a number of areas, uh, Europe, the U.S., especially with uh, with masks and the vaccine mandates. And I think, you know, probably we're going to see some disruption over there over at least uh, certainly the next you know few weeks, uh, maybe the next few months. Uh, but uh, in the in the grander scheme of things, I think uh, I think as far as uh, supply chain goes, I think that those issues are, are probably uh, fading a little bit uh, overall last year and so far this year we've avoided the worst case scenarios with supply chain. And I think that goes to the fact that really the biggest issue in resolving supply chain is, or supply chain challenges is that you have individual entrepreneurs, you know, people using their own, you know, creative ingenuity to find workarounds. That's what individual companies do. I mean, after all, there isn't a, sing a single supply chain. There are hundreds of thousands of supply chains that uh, various companies participate in, in, in various ways. And, and so you have that individualized thought that I think is 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 helping resolve that over time. Uh, but certainly you do see macro issues, geopolitics, uh, regulations, infrastructure, uh, the the workforce shortage, the driver sh driver shortage that are all affecting um, how how you know the, the pressures on the supply chain. Uh, what the Biden administration is is doing is is trying to accelerate the deployment of the funds in the infrastructure bill you mentioned was enacted uh, back in November. Uh, and these things, these things take time to move. And, uh, and I think that they're, you know, they're, they're, they're trying to, you know, marshal those resources and implement it as quickly as possible. But, um, you know, it is, it, it is going to be, that, that that's going to be one of those sort of longer run items. Right. Right. So, well, let's talk about that um, a little bit more. The, um, in, the infrastructure, the, what they're calling the bipartisan, infrastructure law now, um, you know, it's a huge package of money, the biggest um, in, in decades. So it wouldn't be surprising if um, it, things didn't proceed smoothly in terms of getting programs up and running or, or the program funding getting from the federal government into the, into the states 
you know, are getting these competitive grants started. How, based on what's, how things have been uh, moving that you've seen, how, how do you, how are things going so far in your estimation? Well, I think so far, I think they're, they're hitting the right notes. Um, programs like the, uh, the raise grants, the $1.5 billion uh, pot of money for, uh, for 2022 uh, is, uh, is right now has, has been noticed. And so there's a, there's a, a notice of funding opportunity for applicants to come in for those grants. And, and that's important because that's one of the, one of the most important of the competitive grant programs there. Uh, the formula funds uh, are largely either out or in the process of being uh, issued by the agencies, the state DOTs, you know, the, the folks who actually get the pro- projects uh, assigned and, and contracted out, um, they're in the process of, of, of getting that money. Uh, but as far as what can the administration do, again, administer those programs uh, in an efficient way. Again, they've hit the first step. They've announced the funding availability. That's very important. Um, they've also, you know, put in place a, uh, you know, a group of folks, uh, the, uh, the former DOT general counsel, Katie Thompson, um, as well as former New Orleans mayor, Mitch Landrew, uh, are working um, uh, from, the, from, the, from the White House side to coordinate uh, the, the implementation of the bill across multiple federal agencies. Of course, we're talking about the Department of Transportation, but there's but there are uh, there, there's a bunch of other agencies, including the Department of the Interior, Department of Energy, uh, the U.S. Department of Agriculture, that are all involved in uh, in allocating these funds. And so, you know, they, they've set up a, a they've set up a little bit of a, a command and control approach to try to make sure that the agencies are coordinated uh, and that no agency is falling behind to getting money out. So th- these are the these are the reasonable steps to take. I think it's too hard to say whether or not it's going to, uh, we're, we're going to get um, a lot of new projects, uh, what the what the uh, quality of the projects is going to be. I think it's a little too early still to say, but on a procedural basis, you know, they, they, you know, they seem to be off to, uh, off to a decent start. Well, and from a procedural basis, you've been, you were at DOT for, for several years in the senior position there. So you sort of know how things work internally. Um, they, the, the administration has talked about how, I mean, with this massive bill, they're, they're going to need, just from, a, just from an internal standpoint, they're going to need to ramp up um, the number of people that are involved in, in, in oversight and help, helping with this pr- program, with all these programs. So is um, our, I guess, uh, how, how quick, how, how, how quick can uh, an organization like DOT ramp up? their em- employees given it does take time it does take time to get people working for the federal government do you think that's a an inhib- uh, inhibitor to the um quick rollout of any of these programs uh potentially and we'll probably know later this year again we'll talk about the the, the raised grants in particular because uh, it, it's a sig- it's a it's a significant amount of money in one and a half billion in the context of the bills overall 1.2 trillion um so, uh, you know, relatively small amount, but I think it's going to be a very important indicator. You know, are they able to get those grants announced in the August, September timeframe? Uh, um, you're right. They do need additional staffing. Uh, the economists at the Department of Transportation do a great job, but there's only, you know, so many people to do in-depth reviews of, you know, perhaps a thousand or more uh, project applications. And every single one of those applications has got to be reviewed. Uh, in a in a thorough way for um, for benefit cost analysis um, and for all the other metrics that the uh, that that both the 
the statute and the administration are applying to the the, the projects that they'd like to see funded. Um, so the good news is that the the application period itself uh, is is still going to run through uh, into the beginning of April, and so you know until that point you're just sort of taking in all the applications. Uh, at that point, then you do go into the critical time, which is the next you know the next three or four months are going to be uh, the reviewing of the applications, and I think so. I think starting at April, um, they're really going to need to have um, uh, enough manpower to be able to review all of these documents again in a in a, in a timely way. Uh, and so I think that, that 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 is a little bit of an open question. I think that you know, given the time uh, and given the resources, given the fact that you can detail from other other uh, not just components of DOT, but even potentially other cabinet agencies. Uh, you could get detailees, uh, detailees in, uh, and there is time to, to hire folks. So, but I think that that will be that will be an important question as far as the, the staffing goes. And, and not just you know, not just anybody, but we're talking about uh, trained economists too, who evaluate these these uh, these projects. So I think that that I think they they should they should be able to, to, to handle it. But I mean, it, it 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 will be a lift. And and also, let's talk a little a bit about um, project priority. Um, the back in December, the Federal Highway Administration put out a basically was a policy memo on how these funds should be prioritized. It basically says that um, any the any projects that are looking to get federal money from this law uh, should be prioritized for modernizing existing road capacity versus. Adding actual lane capacity, um, modernizing in the in the sense of um, you know, but you know, putting in bike bike lanes in existing infrastructure in, in existing lanes, for example, or um, strengthening roadway for for climate for weather issues. Um, and the memo also talks about um, that you know, any, any projects that that would add capacity would not be eligible for an, ex, an expedited review, which is, um, I believe, under uh, 90 days review. So Republicans in Congress from, are, are a little bit up in arms about this, saying that, you know, this could serve to slow down uh, the sort of sorts of projects that are looking to actually um, tackle su- supply chain congestion. So, and which is what the law is supposed to do. So what is your, how do you, how do you see it, Lauren? Well, th- this is the question about the supply chain is when you have different uh, different policy issues or regulatory issues, uh, policymakers do need to balance these to make sure that that that, that uh, the efficient movement of commerce, the efficient movement of freight, um, is is a priority. Uh, the administration has said, and they've 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 uh, been very upfront about this um, over the past year and a half, uh, going back uh, before uh, before the new administration started, uh, that they wanted to prioritize maintenance over uh, expanding road capacity. And so this has been this has been their policy priority. Um, and on on the grounds of um, you know not overemphasizing um, road freight versus freight through over the rails and other forms of other forms of transportation, uh, and so they're they're um, that, you know I think what we have to uh, hope is that it's not actually going to impede uh, critical infrastructure projects projects that are going to expand freight network capacity. I think that's going to be. Uh, it's going to be very important to see if it does actually end up uh, constricting the flow of freight. I think I think that's a problem. But again, it's important to note that the 
the administration hasn't said that they won't allow new road capacity. Um, that what they're, what they're saying here is they're going to subject it to an additional level of scrutiny. Um, so, oh, okay, that's that's fine as far as it goes, as long as eventually you get the capacity that you need for the freight network. I think that's that's going to be where the rubber meets the road. If you want to have additional, uh, again, if you want to have additional scrutiny on these projects, you know that's th- th- that's their right to set set policy. But if um, uh, but uh, but um, I think uh, over the next few months and you know over the next probably the next one or two years we'll see is this actually going to impact areas where there's going to be uh freight bottlenecks and if it is then i think that i think that the that, that the criticism is is on point that that it really can't constrict uh, because we actually need significant upgrades to the infrastructure as far as efficient freight freight flows and that and that's that 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 has to be a policy priority yeah uh, um uh, and lauren also i wanted to to uh touch on electric electric uh, vehicle charging, truck charging in particular. The, the bill, the, um, the infrastructure law sets out um, uh, a total of $7.5 billion for electric vehicle charging infrastructure through, through both um, uh, state, grant, state program funding and uh, competitive grants. Amazon is asking the government to use some of that money for what they call semi-private charging that's dedicated specifically to to, to heavy trucks. Um, How quickly do you see something like that developing? Um, And what are the challenges to building this out? Well, it's an interesting interesting question that Amazon raises because gas stations in the U.S., of course, are overwhelmingly, if not exclusively, um, uh, privately, privately built. Uh, and operated, um, so uh, you know we're talking about a different model with the electric vehicle charging infrastructure that the government is 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 uh, is advancing in this bill, and you know and and, and frankly uh, has been spending money on for for more than a decade uh, advancing electric vehicle charging infrastructure. <clears throat> but I think the reality is that um, is that uh, like gas stations, electric vehicle charging infrastructure is actually going to end up being. Uh, overwhelmingly privately funded as well. Uh, the, the, the federal government will be involved uh, to the extent that, uh, obviously, from the regulatory side, that uh, that's that's clear. But uh, this funding will is sort of trying to help get the ball rolling. You know, help help uh, in the in these sort of early days of uh, uh, the transition to electric vehicles, trying to get that going. Uh, but no one should be under any illusions that the federal government is actually going to build a national EV. Uh, charging network. That's that's not going to happen. What, what's happening is some support, some additional spending uh, that is going to again help to get the ball rolling. Um, the other I, I think the other big question with these uh, these EV charging stations is uh, is are they fast chargers? Because it looks like most of them will not actually be fast chargers, which means again that that's going to fall exclusively on on uh, on the, on, on the, the private sector. Again, not really a surprise if you actually think about the implications of the of the gas station uh, analogy that most of this is going to be built by the private sector and especially most of the fast chargers. And frankly, when it comes to EV charging, uh, fast chargers are going to be um, are, are really going to be the way that it's going to have to work. You know, you, you, um, you know, it takes about, you know, I've, I've timed myself, it takes me four minutes to um, pull into a gas station, gas up and be back on the road. Um you know, I, 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 the, the the fast chargers 
need to get to about about that spot. Um, and that's, I think, where, you know, if you're talking about, you know, great fleet expansion, wide fleet expansions, and for truckers in particular, for whom, you know, time is very much uh, money, um, they're going to need those fast chargers. So, you know, Amazon, I think, uh, I think is probably echoing what a lot of companies are thinking, which is, let's make sure that these, uh, you know, it, it may be less um, private partnerships than just, let's make sure that we help get a say in where these EV charging stations are cited. Look, look, federal government is going to come in with seven and a half billion dollars. That's great. Uh, but we'd like to work with you to make sure that um, these charging stations are actually in a place that's valuable to us. And I think that um, uh, a lot of the, I think the freight industry generally uh, has a case to make that they, that they want to see at the table in citing for these EV charging uh, stations. Uh, and because, and, and if you operate a fleet, you're going to say, hey, can we get can we get some of that? Can we get some of that seven and a half billion um, for our fleet management because we're being you know good corporate citizens and we're contributing to the uh, to the EV transition. Um, you know, we'd like to apply for some of that money to have our fleet our fleet charging station um, get, get get some of the subsidy. Um, so, yeah, no, and you and you just and while you were talking, you mentioned um, you know time is money, and I. Had, I, going back really, really quick, just to wrap up here, I wanted to uh, talk a little bit, just a little bit more about the, um, the the cross-border issue that's going on with the supply chain. I mean, do, do you do you see the Biden administration lifting the cross-border vax mandate um, anytime soon? I, I would assume they would have to do this in conjunction with Canada um, to, um, or, or I mean, will, will, will it get to the point where? Where the disruption um, disruptions to the cross border supply chains and, and the access by truckers to to the U.S. and Canadian uh, markets does that does that does that outweigh you know what some are seeing as the, the declining risks to to associated with the COVID uh, nineteen uh, virus? I think the VAX mandates for for, for cross border trucking uh, I think are gone by the summer. I think it's gone by the summer. And depending on how the next, you know, couple of weeks play out, maybe sooner. I mean, you'd like to see uh, Prime Minister Trudeau and President Biden and their top advisors sort of get together and say, you know, the U.S. and Canada, especially in trucking, it's all one big economy anyway. Um, and so just figure out what they're, how, how they want to handle this. But um, I think depending on how it plays out, it could be sooner. But I think, uh, I, I think, I think, I think certainly no later than summer, uh, I, I doubt we'll be seeing this. Uh, as an issue at the border, because it's it's, a, it's just too disruptive, and you know, given that the other issues we're having, the uh, the, the inflation number uh, this month, you know, it, it's still it's still rising, and there's just a lot of pressure out there on a lot of different sectors of the economy, uh, and this is just an area where you know I think I think you know I think you've seen with the with the with the mask mandates uh, being removed in a, in a lot of states, it just um, I, I think the numbers are trending positively. Um, and uh, I think that I, I think that they'll that they'll be able to, you know, that they'll they'll work with the scientists and, and, they'll, and they'll I think they'll figure out that this is probably something that uh, they, they can go away soon. Great. Well, well, thanks, Lauren. We'll um, we'll wrap up there. Thanks, thanks, thanks again for joining us today for your insight. And we'll yeah, and I guess we'll see, you know, how that um, how, how that shakes out in, in terms of your predictions for the uh, for the Vax mandate um, and. We'll see how, how things go with untangling the supply chain issue, the untangling supply chain problems that we're seeing right now. Thanks, Sean. Great to be with you.
Great. And thanks, everyone, again, for tuning in.